Welcome to another exciting episode of Car Smart Radio. My name is Steve Safier. Thank you so much for listening to 610 ESPN, WOND News Talk 1400, and for pushing play on the podcast located at 610ESPN.com and now on iTunes. And Happy New Year, everyone. Wishing you the best for 2020. We've got uh, great shows and events lined up for the new year, so keep tuning in. And speaking of great shows, my first guest of 2020 is Matt Murray of Iron Trap Garage in Boyertown, Pennsylvania. I first encountered Matt from one of his videos, this uh, particular video about a 1927 Packard sitting in a factory for almost 40 years. The video has now over a million views. Uh, it's great stuff. And we'll talk about his YouTube channel and his amazing garage space. But first, Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited. Now, you are a uh, hot rod builder, uh, basically doing what people in the 50s did with cars from the 30s. Now, I call it old school or vintage builds. Is that is that accurate? Is that is that the name of it or what you would call it? Yeah, I mean, the the I guess the, the coined phrase is traditional hot rod uh, is what most people use. But basically, we're using old parts to build old cars the way they would have done it in the, the heyday of hot rodding, as I call it, which is like 1964 and earlier. Now, your garage and your techniques are uh, its a bit like a time warp, only with the advantage of, of having the Internet. We're going to talk about that a, lo- yep. a little bit later, and we'll talk about how that plays a role in what you do. But let's find out about Matt. Where are you from? Uh, what, was your, what are some of your earliest memories of cars? Yeah, so uh, I actually was born and raised in my hometown and where I'm at today, about Boyertown, Pennsylvania. I moved away for a little while but came back because it's, it's just a cool, old town um, and uh, basically my dad was wrenching on cars mechanic his whole life and I was around cars um, my whole life my dad was more of a big block Ford fan so when I was a kid he was putting he was putting like FEs and big blocks in like his pickup truck he would drive to work every day and my dad was more of a make it fast for a daily driver but it was just make it run good it didn't have to look good and, uh, you know, so I was exposed as a kid of my dad just like swapping engines in the garage and I'm sitting there watching him. And, and you know, like as a kid, my dad running out of fuel because his, his uh, when I'm he's taking me to kindergarten because his truck had a big block <laughs> and it got like four miles to right. the gallon and we'd run out of gas. So we'd have to push the truck into the gas station. So, like, I just been around the you know, the just the grassroots, you know, car building my whole life. Good times. <laughs> Well, you know, most of us, when we look at a, a, a pile of um, metal parts and metal bits and things like that, um, we, don't, we don't see much. But to, to someone like you with a trained eye, it might be a, st- a stack of vintage treasures. Uh, how, did you, how did you learn about all of the things? I know you, you mentioned uh, in our pre, pre-interview, our earlier yeah. conversation, that you don't have formal training in it. How did you learn about, like, how do you know what's in a box of, of metal bits yeah, I always tell people that like with the buying and selling and, and hunting for old parts, uh, you don't have to have, be the guy in the room with the most money or in the building with the most money. You have to be the guy with the most knowledge. And knowledge is power and is worth more than any money could be. So I just uh, spent a lot of time reading old magazines and asking questions from guys older than me. Or if I saw something at a car show or a swap meet that was unusual or if it was priced really high, what is that? What makes it special? And then the guy will educate you. And then I know that if I'm in a barn, you know, in Virginia with no with no reception, I remember that put in my memory. So a lot of it was me when I didn't have money and I was younger, just learning about the stuff and reading about it. Um, And I mean, since I was a kid, I was reading National Geographic, looking at these like treasure hunts and 
and guys diving deep in the sea for treasure. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always joke. This is my modern day treasure hunting. So I was looking at other stuff in the National Geographic magazines, but that's another story. <laughs> and we can talk about uh, we can't talk about Iron Trap Garage first without talking about the name yep. and of course the space itself. Where does the name come from? So the name was basically, um, you know, years ago was kind of just you know, like everybody does, you make a username that you use on forums. And before social media was as big as it is now, you know, I was like, ah, I need to make a, n- a new username that represents whatever. So I was kind of just researching terms that I was thought of. And I found the term iron trap just by like Googling stuff. And basically that it means a trap that you cannot get out of. It's like a medieval ah. trap. But what I related that to is that's what this hobby is. It's, it's when you get into this hobby, it is a uh, not. It's a trap that you can't get out of. So, like when you get into, it, I say you die with this hobby because ninety percent of the guys and gals that get into this, you get so passionate about it, you take it to your grave. You're still. I mean, I know so many guys that can barely walk and they're still hunting for parts and and mm. work tinkering on cars because you're so passionate. So that that's where it came from. It's 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 like a mm. it's a trap you get into and and you it's with you forever. And you were saying that most of your friends are in their 70s, 80s, and 90s. And that's who, that's who you hang out yeah. with. And you're not even 40 yet. I want to make that clear to our listening audience. So this, this is a young guy hanging out, getting, you know, absorbing the wisdom of this older crowd because you're in a sort of a niche uh, yeah. hobby. And, and that's how you learn a lot about a lot of this stuff too. Yeah, yeah. My, most of my, um, most, most of the guys I hang out with regularly uh, are guys that are in their, you know, mid 60s all the way up to their 90s. And I have some friends that are, you know, literally in their 90s, they're still doing this. Uh, I'm friends with a guy named Gene Winfield that's a famous customizer. He literally called me yesterday on the phone, and we're talking about swap meets we're doing and, and cars we're building, and he's 93, mm-hmm. I think, right now. And he's, he's the been... uh, American Graffiti. Oh, no, the um, Pharaohs guy? Mm. Is he related to the Pharaohs Club out in California? No, okay. but he's he's actually the one that started the um, the fade paint job, which okay. is really famous in custom cars, and he did a lot of movie vehicles that were famous. Mm. I've gotten to be friendly with him, and, and you know, when you talk to him— He's, he's almost his mid-90s, and he's still painting cars, traveling the world, wow. literally doing what I do. So right. we've been to junkyards together in swap meet. He mm. came out to Hershey with me in his 90s, and we're walking to swap meet trying to beat each other for parts. So it's like, you know, so many of these guys I know, like I said, it's it's something that you keep with you and keeps you going, you know, as mm-hmm. you get older. And we talked a little bit, uh, again, um, previously about how Pennsylvania is super hot spot. I mean, it's, yeah. as you said, it's it's better than California, and tell us why. Yeah, so I think um, you know Southern as, as far as the stuff that I'm into, Southern California was definitely the hotbed where all this started for the most part. But like, I think nowadays uh, Southern California, there's there's such a high concentration of guys that are into it um, that a lot of it's been picked. It's harder to find. Whereas here in the Northeast, um, there I think number one because we had the Hershey swap meet, mm-hmm. so so many guys became career swap meters where they were. You know, Hershey was how you made half your your income for the year, Hershey and Carlisle. So you get all these guys that were buying in great quantity, and they have buildings full, and there's barns, and there's still and there's still areas in the Northeast that aren't um, that, that haven't been like turned into developments. Mm-hmm. So you can find a hundred acre farm with ten buildings, and there's you know fifty, seventy cars, and thousands of parts. So because of that, we're still finding the stuff, and I'm still impressed. I mean, even like we mentioned, the Packard, mm-hmm. right in the middle of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. there's an antique car that's sitting that you know you would think everything's been found in Philly, but mm-hmm. it's still around. I'm still getting calls about stuff that's like in the city, and you're like, really? I can't believe it. Right. For a while, I was wondering how how can this show American Pickers keep going? Like, haven't they yeah. overturned every single 
you know, barn find, but but and they love coming to the East Coast because, yep. as you say, there's there's tons of stuff hidden in barns, and um, and we'll talk about a little bit later how you find that stuff, and right. and a lot of that is obviously word of mouth. Um, tell us a, a little bit about the space because it I, to me it's magical. Um, uh, as I mentioned, I, I don't think Disneyland could build something <laughs> if you're building a set for a car show or something like that. They they couldn't build something that looks as good as that, and I think it, the appeal of that has a lot to do with, uh, well, certainly you have more than 50,000 subscribers now on yeah. YouTube. Yep. And I think that it's just an amazing, magical place. I went there the other day, uh, and you can't smell it on YouTube, but it has a, it just has yeah. a feel and a smell <laughs> to it that is un- unbelievable, the stone walls. Tell us a little bit of how you found that place and what it meant to you when you when you found it. Yeah, so, I mean, basically I was, you know, I was shopping for a, a house with a, with a garage on site, and I knew I wanted something that was special. You know, I was getting, I was really heavily into the antique cars, but I, I was living in like a rancher with a two and a half car garage. And it just didn't have what I, you know, was looking mm-hmm. for. So I was looking at old barn, uh, old like um, farmettes and things like that mm-hmm. with old barns to restore. But I was finding there a lot of them were, were a little too rough. And I just stumbled across this property that was an estate was selling, and they had just dropped the price. And it was actually right in the middle of my hometown. I'm like, I don't want to live in town. I'm building old cars. Uh-huh. People are going to complain. And I went there, and it was like in an old part of town. So my house was built in 1930. The shop was built in 1947 and is a, an airplane hangar. Hmm. So it was actually built like a bank barn. So it has a field stone walls that are actually sunken into the ground like the first floor of an old bank barn would be. Right. Um, but the roof is flat. But whoever built it originally, I'm still kind of researching the property, they put um, huge I-beams in the ceiling that are like something you would see on the Ben Franklin Bridge. Hmm. I mean, they're mass. They overbuilt it. Right. And the building is so massive with no beams in the center to block you. So it's an open floor plan. Right. And uh, real high ceilings. And I looked in the window when I went to look at the property and called my real estate agent and said, I'll take it. Uh-huh. He's like, you didn't even look at the house. I said, doesn't matter. I wow. can fix a house. This <laughs> garage is it. And we, you know, within two days we had an offer. And, you know, I've only been there about like, I think, four years and mm-hmm. looks like I've been there for 60 yeah. because of how much go, you know, stuff goes on in there. It just, and it's, you know, like you said, it has that smell and feel when you walk in. It, it's amazing. And I've gotten more comments. You know, I posted a picture of us on social media. A lot of people commenting on, on the space. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And then you added, you know, sort of vintage signage and, and you have a, a friend who's an electrical engineer. It all worked out just yeah. perfectly. It seems for you. Yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of one of those things that I always say networking is your best friend. So you know, I have friends that do all kinds of different stuff. We help each other out. So my best friend Mike, he's he's uh, uh, you know he does electrical. So he came and redid the electric in the place. And friend of a friend did heat, and we had a heater put in. And it was like within like a month or two, it was a workable space, and we were building cars. And that's basically when we started the channel. Was like months after I moved in. Mike said we need to do something. This place is killer. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. Right. So, and we'll, we'll get more into the YouTube channel, but it, but it came as a result of this, the space really yes. it's so photogenic yep. and perfect. And, and the lighting is amazing now. And it just, yep. uh, it really catches your eye. And if you want to see it, go to iron trap garage, just go to uh, you, the YouTube and search iron trap garage. And he's got a number of great videos on there. A lot of them start, uh, the opening obviously is in the garage. And then sometimes you're, you're in the garage or sometimes you're out on the road yep. doing, uh, doing stuff like that. Um, your your garage though is not generally not for hire. You're not you're not working for other people. You're doing your own stuff. Correct. Yeah. I mean, when I was younger, I uh, was kind of following in my my dad and my brother's footsteps, doing the mechanic thing, working in the shop. And I very quickly realized that that was not my thing. I get burnout real easy working on other people's stuff. To me, <laughs> building custom cars and hot rods and 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 customs 
are, it's a very much a creative process. I say it's just like a sculptor where you want to have 100% control to do what I want. So I don't generally do uh, side work. Every now and then I'll do a small rust repair job or a guy will bring something in and I'll do it or, you know, whatever. But I found that a lot of times I warn those guys, like, it's going to take a while because it's <laughs> not interesting to me. <laughs> right. Um, so I try not to do that. And that was what we try to do with the Iron Trap Garage with the channel. And also buying and selling parts, there's definitely a value that I can make money into finding these parts and uncovering them and selling them to guys to build cars. So that's the way I can make some money by doing that. And that's that's my workaround for not having to work on other people's stuff. And spreading the love as it, as it was. Yes. Let's talk about your logo. I thought it was a Christmas. When I first saw it, I thought it was a Christmas tree, but it's not. It's a pagoda, some kind of Japanese pagoda, because you have the actual photograph on your, I think, on your Instagram yes. account. Tell us a little bit about uh, the logo of Iron uh, Track so, Garage. So basically, the one of the first cars that I finished that people kind of recognized is a car that I call the Pagoda City Coupe. And I'm Berks County, you know, born and raised, and pretty much an icon of Berks County in the Reading area is the Reading Pagoda. So I've been going to the Pagoda since I was a kid. I've been enamored with it. It's just like so neat. And then again, I'm into history, and you read the history of the, of the place and how it changed hands and all this different mm. stuff that happened through World War II. It like almost got torn down because there was people that associated it with Japan, and and it somehow it survived. So like that's always been my place since I could drive. Anytime I build a custom car. The, the thing you did on, his, on your, like, w you know, put a done stamp on it is I drive it to Bogota and I take a picture of my car in front oh. of Bogota. So I have photos from cars I built since I was, like, Very cool. 17. So the Bogota City Coupe, when I bought that body, the gentleman I bought it from um, said that the car was from Berks County, new, the Model A, and it would pass through hands and never left Berks County. Hmm. Like, I, I live in Berks County. I bought it from him. He lived in Berks County. And his friend that found it in a barn – you know, the whole story, so I named it the Pagoda City Coupe. Wow. Um, and when we were making a logo, you know, we took that car and that photo I took and turned it into a logo. So, yeah, if you're not familiar with the the, the Pagoda, you know, you might think it's a Christmas tree. Right. But I don't actually mind that because it once you start to learn about it, you understand it. Um, and, I mean, if you somebody looked at the Nike logo first, mm -hmm. you'd be like, what is that weird little yeah. Thing you know, it's, you don't have to understand it for first, but once you buy into it, I think you know, it makes right. Sense. It's distinctive, and, and once you see it enough times, you go, "Oh, that's that's Iron Trap." Yeah, that's exactly. Iron Trap. Yeah. Well, we're gonna take a little break, uh, and when we get back, uh, we're gonna talk about Matt's specific projects. How does he decide which one takes priority, and just how does he manage his time between work and hobby and driving around the state? Right after these messages on Car Smarts Radio. Wait till you see this place in person. Classic Auto Mall, the newest and quite possibly the largest classic car facility in the world. Conveniently located just an hour west of Philadelphia on the Pennsylvania Turnpike in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. You can check us out on the web at ClassicAutoMall.com or reach us by phone at 888-227-0914. Come visit us at the Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown. You won't be disappointed. that? That 757 horsepower coursing through your veins. Hear that? That's your powerfully engineered machine shifting from zero to 60 in under three seconds. And over there, do you see that? That's the look of absolute envy. Better get used to it. Visit the world's largest provider of Callaway cars, the Patriot dealerships located in Boyertown and Limerick, or online at CallawayCarsUSA.com. Callaway. Feed your senses. Four degrees. That was Philadelphia's coldest day of the year in 2018. Imagine not having a warm winter coat on that day. That's how 175,000 children, yes children, in our area felt. 
Help us. The Auto Dealers Caring for Kids Foundation changed that. A $20 donation to our Driving Away the Cold program will provide a brand new winter coat to a local child in need. We believe warmth should never be a luxury, and we hope you do too. Please give today at morethanautodealers.com. Grundy Insurance, the inventors of agreed value coverage, insured their first collector vehicle in 1947. Agreed value policies indicate the amount that a policyholder will receive and an insurance company will pay in the event of a total loss or theft of a vehicle. There are no depreciation tools, mileage restrictions, or needed appraisals. Go online to www.grundy.com to learn how you can drive stress-free with Grundy Insurance. And welcome back to the show. You're listening to Car Smarts Radio. My name is Steve Safier. We're talking with Matt Murray of Iron Trap Garage. You can check out his videos on YouTube by simply searching Iron Trap. He said just Google Iron Trap. He's, he owns the name practically. It's an old, <laughs> it's an old term that you won't find uh, in any modern uh, reference other than his garage. So, so Google Iron Trap Garage. He's got YouTube and Instagram and all the, all the great social media. Very active social media presence. Before we get back with Matt, I want to mention it's the new year and a new season of Car Smarts Radio, and we're looking for some new bumper music. I love what we have, but that's the music you hear when we come out of a commercial break. If you're a local musician with a song about cars or driving or know of such a musician, send an, send an MP3 file to steve at carsmartsradio.com for consideration. Great opportunity to get your original music heard on the air. Back with Matt. Um, Matt, how do you uh, how do you balance your your day job, shooting videos, which I know is incredibly time consuming, yep. traveling to swap meets and shows, and then working on cars? Yeah, whenever I get asked that question, I always joke, and, I, and the simple answer is I don't sleep a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I make the most out of my day, is the way I put it. And and there's a, you know you can have a whole separate conversation about time management. Mm-hmm. Um, I pack as much as I possibly can into the days that I have allocated for doing work. Um, obviously, you set some stuff side some time for personal life, family. But other than that, you need to be going hard on everything. So, I mean, I from the second I wake up, I'm I'm gathering parts that I sold to somebody that I need to ship. And then I, you know, I have to do the day job thing with Eastwood. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I get home at, say, 5 o'clock, 5.30. And then I'll work till, I mean, I'm known to work till 1, 2 a.m. on a project. Wow. And we're filming these videos. Mm-hmm. Um, so I pretty much just, I mean, the nice thing is, is that everything, my whole life surrounds old cars. So even my day job, you know, surrounds it. So, you get in that mode of doing all of that. It's not like I have to be an accountant and come home and working on hot rods. So it makes it nice. So I, um, I just kind of, you know, I have certain days of the week. Like I joke that the Sundays we call it Sunday service is a term that I mm-hmm. that I kind of coined where it's like our worship of old cars. So that's a day. That's probably the only day of the week that I leave like visitors can show up. That's awesome. So that's uh, you know, other than that, I'm pretty much working on stuff. You know, anytime I can, and uh, yeah, yeah, Matt was a little reluctant to come on the show on Saturday because it's it's girlfriend day, right? Yeah, it's family yeah, it's... family time. But uh, you managed to somehow squeeze us squeeze a date in at the end of the at the end of the radio show, which yeah. is it worked out perfect. Yeah, it's that time management thing. We're gonna we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna go into the city and have dinner and do some other stuff, and it's okay. Yeah, I'm just thrilled to get an hour of your time. Frankly, I know Thank how, you. I know how busy you are. Um, so so being in the business, um. You know, you hear about cars that are have been sitting in barns or garages. We talked about the one in, in Philly, which is an amazing video. As I said, over a yep. million views for good reason. Um, do you do you rescue cars to work on yourself, or are you passing those on to other people, reselling them, rescuing them, and reselling them? Right. 
Um, generally, I mean, I'll rescue just about anything if it's a good deal or a or good value or a good story. Um, whether I keep it or not, it's just a matter on if I have a connection with it. I always say that pretty much every car that you'll ever see me like build for keeps or or a car that I build and keep for a long period mm. of time is something that has a good story on it. So like I mentioned earlier about the Pagoda City Coupe, it had a great story to it, and I had a connection to it and built it. We just finished recently the Free T, which is a 1919 Model T that we turned into a into a hot rod from basically a pile of parts, and the whole idea was we're going to show how to build a car for next to free and make something that's basically a show car, um, and that had some history. So it, it's just the history or connection, you know. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, mean, I want to talk about that free tea because the it's called free tea because a lot of the a lot of stuff came came free. It yes. was scrap or or something, and you yep. and you put it together. Uh, and uh, somebody did some hand. There's a video, great video of guy doing hand pinstriping on it. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. So the the free tea basically, um, somebody put an ad up on like Facebook Marketplace or somewhere uh, for a free Model T touring body. So for anybody that's not familiar, that's a four seater car, three doors. Early model, not mid-level or mid-range Model T, 1919. And um, basically, he was giving away the body, and he was keeping the chassis for a race of gentlemen project. I saw the ad, and my best friend Mike that I do the channel with, I uh, I basically called him or texted him and said, hey, are you free today? And he was working third shift at the time. He said, yeah. I said, can you go run and grab this? So he grabbed the body for free. Mm. Um, a friend of mine, uh, an older guy that's a friend of mine that I've learned a lot from, Pete, he, Pete gave me a set of frame of 46 to 48 Ford frame for free, and I stole the, some parts out of the frame. And I had these two frame rails hmm. and this body laying on the ground that were free, and you just start looking back and forth at them when you're uh -huh. bored at night, and I go, I could turn that into that and this. And I got basically, so we showed, the whole idea was to build the car 100% for free by buying and selling and, mm -hmm. and trading, but as the project went on, I flipped the switch and decided to make it like a full-on show car. Mm -hmm. So basically, the car was free up until the point where I paid to have a full like tuck and roll interior done, and I had the engine machine work done. It's a full race flathead in it. So like, I have a little bit of money into it, but for what the car is, it's very minimal. Um, but the, the the lettering on the dash was just uh, you know a guy that I had met that through social media I became friends with, and he's a tattoo artist and does hand lettering. He said, you know what? We should do the lettering on it for free because it's the free T. And uh -huh. then he and I have traded stuff back and forth, so it, it works out. I think this would be good. I was going to save it for later. But I think it's a good a good segue into your your twenty dollar challenge yes. for twenty twenty because um, a lot of people think that uh, this this hobby is very expensive. Um, obviously, it, it, it entails a lot of chasing, and we're going to talk about the thrill of the chase, yeah, yeah. obviously, also. But tell tell us a little bit about the twenty dollar challenge for twenty twenty. Yeah, so I, I, you know, a lot of this all goes around to me growing up as a, as just a poor kid and not having money. So I had to figure out how to make money to pay rent and also to build cars. So um, I've pretty much perfected it, and that's how I have all the cool stuff I have is by trading up or buying up and whatever. So we decided to do a twenty 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 dollar challenge. And this is kind of just to offset the people on our channel. You know, you get the YouTube negative comments. Oh, it'd be mm -hmm. nice if I was rich and could afford this and i'm like i'm not at mm -hmm, all rich mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination so we're going to start with 20 bucks and we're going to basically through videos document what mike and i are going to trade you know buy and sell till we can buy something substantial at the end of the year so one thing i get teased for teased a lot about is i have a pretty crappy old car trailer that is basically free <laughs> right and i'll milk it until it breaks in half but uh so i decided why not get myself i've never bought a brand new trailer so I decided at the end of the year, I want to turn this $20 into a brand new car trailer. And uh, Mike has been wanting to start a traditional hot rod project. 
And he said, why don't I, basically at the end of the year, I'm going to buy a project. And uh, so we're going to just document the mm -hmm. process of, you know, I bought this for 20, sold it for 50, mm -hmm. took that 50 or 40, you know, and saved 10 and, and, and step up. And uh, I think people are going to see pretty quickly how you can go from 20 to 1,000 really fast. And, uh, and then you can turn that into a lot. So it's that whole, you know, paperclip, you know, the old red paperclip idea, but we're going to show it on the, you know, the antique car level where you can turn it into something really uh, substantial, you know, for yourself. I, I think so much of what you do and, and the visuals of the whole thing, it would be good for television, but you and I talked about it in your garage, the sort of downside of, of having a television show, because that, that, that sounds like a game show right there. Like, how do you, how do you keep re-upping the $20 until it turns into something at the end of a year? Um, but You've been approached by by television producers and because of the space and because of how yep. sort of how articulate you are and knowledgeable you are about these these hot rods and uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, I think one good thing about social media and the internet is that it has taken away the barriers. So TV networks don't have the um, the control or power that they used to. Mm -hmm. So we can reach just as many people through YouTube, and we take out the middleman. So I don't have we have full creative control. So if Mike and I decide we want to do a $20 challenge the week before the video goes out, we can do it. We don't have to pass it through a bunch of producers. And, um, I, you know, the people that we talked to when we did some some interviews with um, some of these production companies, they wanted to mold us into something that we weren't. Hey, can you guys send mm -hmm. us a sample video? You guys fighting or throwing <laughs> wrenches. And right. I, I'm a very kind of <laughs> calm kind of guy. And Chill. I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, I, that's not me. I don't do it. Well, it, it would be good. The producers would like that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not us. I'm not. And, and I think... We want to we want to really show what it takes to build these cars, and I want to educate. I mean, that's what this channel started with is showing people how to do the metal work, how to find the parts, mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily good for mainstream television. Mm -hmm. So I think with what we're doing, uh, I always joke: if I can make enough money to pay my mortgage and build cars, I'm happy. I don't need to be rich and famous. So that's that's why I think we've been calm and collective and haven't you know pursued those opportunities. Yeah, I, I had a conversation with Steve Magnante. He's been on the show and. Uh, Years ago, he he pitched a show and they said, "Oh, it's too educational. Yeah. It's too it's too much teaching." And that's yeah. all he wanted to do is like teach people to go into junkyards. And now he has junkyard gold, and they 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 they, they sort of still has eliminated sort of the conflict between two people because it's just him. But yep. uh, I think he eventually got what he wanted. But it's very hard because they want to put you in that sort of formula, that sort of mold of fighting with people in a garage and, like you said, throwing wrenches and stuff like that. And it just doesn't doesn't work for you. That's not it's not where it's at right now. What's the most uh, challenging part of, of building hot rods? Uh, I would probably say, I mean, if you're building cars the way that we build them using old parts, uh, the hardest part is finding the parts because I'll, I'll say it over and over again. You can be the richest guy in the world, and some of these parts are so hard to find, and they're just not for sale. I mean, there's some of this stuff so rare that, you know, when we talked about it, I have parts laying around that the money would be nice, but mm -hmm. you know what? The part means more to me, yeah. and I won't sell it. So... Um, so the hardest part is definitely finding the parts because you need to hunt. I mean, yeah, it actually it actually adds an extra barrier of difficulty because if, if money is also a factor, then you need to get mm -hmm. it for cheap mm -hmm. and find this unobtainable part, which I've done a great job of by doing the legwork and hunting. Right. You know, twenty four hours a day. Right, and and the internet obviously plays a role in that. I remember you're telling the story where uh, you saw something in the corner of a picture. There was an estate sale. They had yep. some photographs and. 
none of them really very appealing, but there was some something in the corner, and you said, I'm, I'm going to go to that. Yes. Everybody else was going to other events, which is really fascinating. They were going <laughs> to Hershey or wherever else. And you said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to take a chance here because I see something in the back of that photograph. So is that, is that one of your tips? And we'll talk about that in more detail later. But is that one of your tips is like really, really look at the photographs? Yeah, yeah. And I think don't be afraid to go against the grain. I mean, that was a good example. There was another auction going that day. There was a drag race that I could have mm-hmm. went to to race my Model A. There was a ton of fun. I did it before, and, I, and honestly, that's what I wanted to be doing. Right, right. Um, that's where most of my friends were at, but it was like, you know what? I think there's something here, and there was, that, you know, I joked the spidey sense that said, I think there's <laughs> ah. something going on. There's old race parts, broken race parts and photos, and I, I decided to go. And, yeah, I think that's the, the thing. Don't be afraid to chase a lead. I mean, that that's, you know, for every – crazy hit that I get of, of something rare. Mm-hmm. There's probably 50 times I went to a place and chased it. And, you know, I walked out with nothing and I bought one part for five bucks and right. wasted a whole day. Mm-hmm. But that's part of this is the hunt and the chase. Right. And we, and that's as fun, you said, as, as actually doing the build and driving the cars is, is the, it's the most difficult part. And it's also a rush. You get the adrenaline rush each yes. time. Yeah. That's definitely, you know, the, the, one of the most fun parts of building cars with the traditional hot rod thing, doing old parts is, Every time you find a major piece of your project, it's like a it's a small victory, I call it. Mm-hmm. And it's like you you just get this uh, you know rush that you are finally holding that intake manifold you were looking at in a mm-hmm. 50s hot rod magazine. And you have it in your hands, and you're putting it on your car. And it's like, that's so cool. So there's so many of those instances that when you buy out of a catalog and buy the stuff and you have it now, yeah. you don't get that mm-hmm. same feel of chasing apart for months or years and then owning it. And so when you drive the car too, it makes it that much more special because all this old stuff is working together yeah. again. Yeah, and you get to see some cool old barns too. And, oh yeah, and talk to talk to guys who yes. have been in the uh, we're in it at some point. Well, we got to take another break. When we get back, we'll ask Matt, uh, Matt about the right way and the wrong way to build a vintage hot rod or rat rod, and find out a surprising audience that's now seeking these cars out. And what do minivan seats have to do with any of this? We'll find out right after these messages on Car Smarts Radio. CarSmarts listeners, convert your business or home to energy-saving, long-life LED lighting this month with ELED lights, factory direct and locally manufactured LED lighting solutions. Shop at ELEDlights.com and enter CarSmarts at checkout to take 10% off your order. No lighting project is too big or too small. ELED Lights can help with project design, PICO rebates, and financing. That's ELEDlights.com and discount code CARSMARTS or call 215-355-7200. Do you feel that? That 757 horsepower coursing through your veins. Hear that? That's your powerfully engineered machine shifting from 0 to 60 in under 3 seconds. And over there, do you see that? That's the look of absolute envy. Better get used to it. Visit the world's largest provider of Callaway cars, the Patriot dealerships located in Boyertown and Limerick, or online at CallawayCarsUSA.com. Callaway. Feed your senses. Wait till you see this place in person. Classic Auto Mall. The newest and quite possibly the largest classic car facility in the world. Conveniently located just an hour west of Philadelphia on the Pennsylvania Turnpike in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. You can check us out on the web at ClassicAutoMall.com or reach us by phone at 888-227-0914. Come visit us at the Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown. You won't be disappointed. I made 
in road locomotive from the days of cheap gasoline and I'm for sale by the side of the road going nowhere rusty old American dream and we are back you're listening to Car Smarts Radio wow that is the perfect song rusty old American dream that's what Matt works on uh, he's the, the really a, the prince of patina I want to remind folks uh, that happening right now um, this is sort of the opposite of Patina. Well, is the Simeon Foundation Automobile Museum, the Best of Britain 2020, British Racing at Le Mans exhibit. It starts today and it runs through February 2nd. Normal museum admission applies. If you haven't been to Simeon, here's another great opportunity to see something unique and special. Uh, just a great place. I've been down there a couple times and it's just awesome. Uh, back with Matt Murray of Iron Trap Garage. Uh, well, when we were talking in your garage you mentioned uh the right way uh a number of times mm-hmm. um so what is the right way to build do a build and what makes it different from the wrong way yeah i mean i i i want to just first off say that i don't think that there's necessarily a wrong way as long as you're having fun and you're enjoying mm-hmm. what you're doing mm-hmm. um so that i don't want people to think that you know what my way is the only way uh, but for doing the traditional hot rod thing definitely it's uh you have to look more into how someone would have done it back in the day and searching for parts that are, you know, vint- of vintage to put it together. So um, that is, you know, a big part of it. So that's that's really the, the most important thing about it is just using parts and thinking about just put yourself in the shoes of the guy in the era that you're building the car. So if you're trying to build a car to 1950, mm-hmm. think of a guy, look at magazines. What were they doing? What were they using? And, you know, and, and that, that just guides you. I, I think so. From what I know, I mean, the Holy Grail is having steel body yes. cars, and but there are fiberglass sort of repops that mm-hmm. if somebody wanted to start and they couldn't find the right yeah. you know, metal body that, that a fiberglass. Yeah, I, I always say the passion is what's important. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't care if a, a guy has a fiberglass car or he has a steel car. If you're having fun and you're enjoying it, that's all that matters. And, and, and I always say that not everybody needs to be as crazy as I am, that you're, you're reusing original Ford hardware from you know, the thirties and, and wire brushing and cleaning it, you know, that it's just, it doesn't have to be that crazy, but as long as you're having fun, you can have a fiberglass 32 Ford with a brand new uh, Chevy engine in it. And he, if you're having fun, we're all friends because we're all, we're right. all car people and, and we're all in the same uh, hobby in the end of the day. It's true. There's no, there's no barriers to the sort of the brotherhood, sisterhood yes. of, of car uh, fanaticism. I call it carthritis. Yes. I coined, <laughs> I coined that phrase. Um, now, um, it's not only older gentlemen who are trying to recapture a bit of their youth or have old parts in the in the garage, but a population that is now buying finished builds, builds done the right way, and they're paying good money for it. Who, what is this audience? Yes, I think over the years, um, obviously, um, traditional hot rods have, have definitely gotten popular and they've gotten quite valuable. So I'd say in the past, let's say 15 years, uh, 10 years, they, it has really gotten to a point where the cars have, you know, they, they've peaked probably about 10 years ago or so, they started peaking where you were seeing 32 Fords going for, people were asking $100,000, $200,000. And now it means something to have a car that either has history or is built exactly to how it was built and they're Mm -hmm. bringing good money. So now you're starting to see people that would have traditionally bought a Porsche or a Ferrari or a Bugatti, they also want a 32 Roadster with a blown Arden in it because (laughs) that car is worth $200,000. And it means something. So to have a Ferrari and a vintage Porsche and a 32 Ford with the right engine in your garage, it rounds out your collection. So you're now, it's kind of crazy. I'm getting calls from guys that are buying parts for me 
and they're, I'm blown away with what the not that they're bragging, but they start to tell me like what they have mm-hmm. or you know where they are in their life, and I'm like, man, I'm talking to a guy that has his own airstrip <laughs> at his house, <laughs> right. and I'm trying to sell him a transmission, and I'm like, you know, it's crazy, <laughs> wow. but wow. it's awesome. I think it's I think it's cool. It's helping the hobby. Um, it's it's helping the hobby grow and make the keep the value up. I know some people complain in the hobby that it's getting too expensive, but those guys have the money. They don't want to do the work to search for the parts. Mm-hmm. They just want to call up whoever has it, pay the money or pay the price, and they, they own it. So there's still skin in the game for us little guys that right. they want to buy the stuff you know on a budget. Now you've um you you're so busy and obviously you're getting a lot of visibility through through social media and people are calling you from all over the place. So you had an apprentice for a couple of years. And, um, you know, we talked about sort of, we, we talk about the trade schools a lot on this show and sort of the, where the hobby is and, and, and you found somebody who's passionate about it. In fact, he got, he got denied, uh, from trade school yes. and, uh, ended up in your garage and now he's an employee. Tell me a little bit about him. Yeah. So, um, my, uh, my helper, Andrew, he's actually at the shop right now doing work. So hopefully he's busy. Hopefully uh, the radio's on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hopefully he's listening and working. Um, but Andrew basically came to me when I think he was 13 or 14, and mm. he got denied um, at early entry into trade school um, in his school. And for whatever reason, I'm not sure why, but he got denied. Uh, I've known his dad, Chad, for quite a long time. And Chad basically texted me and said, hey, you know, my son Andrew, you met him before. He's really bummed that he got denied. But he's really passionate. Wants to, you know, wants an outlet to work on stuff. You know, could he come and hang out and, you know, maybe see if he could be a help? And I said, yeah. Like I, I've had this happen numerous times. Mm-hmm. Hey, tell him to come, hang out, hang around, and we'll see how he works. And I can tell a person's personality if they're going to be help or not. So Andrew basically came. Relig- he's been coming religiously every Sunday for like, you know, <laughs> multiple years. What's he? Seventeen now. So uh-huh. basically, for like three years, he's been coming religiously every Sunday and now just recently he's now 16 he, he got his license mm-hmm. he he got a retail part-time job that he kind of hated right. and I said hey I, I think I can afford to pay you the same as you're making there but you're going to come here and mm. clean old parts and you know now, he had the knowledge now after helping me for years that I can pay him part-time and he's continuing on with the passion he had and getting paid to do it so he's happy as can be because he's like, wait, you're going to pay me mm. to do the stuff I was doing already? Right. I said, you, you stuck it out for three years. Now's your time. So I think that's a big thing that, you know, the younger generation, I hate to be talk that way, but the patience. So if he stuck, I mean, I would be happy to have apprentice any younger guy if he sticks around, but that doesn't mean he's going to get to, you know, be given parts or, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to have be able to build his car in my garage and hang out for five, you know, two months. Right, you know? right. So, um, but yeah, so he's, he's thriving and he actually just recently brought one of his buddies who's interested in the video side of things. He mm-hmm. likes old cars, but he likes also video stuff. So he's started helping me and he's apprenticing, uh, basically holding a camera and filming some of our episodes and we're, we're testing with doing two camera stuff. So hopefully that when he gets good enough, we can pay him to be, do camera and editing work. So I, I mean, it, you know, again, it, it's just, just a, he, he doesn't have to be a wrench turner, but he's right. interested in the, the, the you know, the old cars, mm-hmm. but he likes the other side of it. So it's just, it's amazing how th- stuff has fallen, fallen into place for you. And, uh, it, it's this another great segue. It's almost like we rehearsed this, but yeah. let's get into the YouTube thing. You, you told us how it started, yep. uh, with your friend and, and the garage itself. Um, how did it grow though to, I mean, obviously you put out quality stuff and I think that right. says a lot on YouTube quality cream comes to the top as they say, but, um, how, you know, what, tell us, tell us a little bit about your audience and how active and engaged they are. Yeah, I think a big thing with me when I started our channel is um, that I wanted to, 
I wanted to feel like people could any and people still feel this way today. Um, anyone that watches our channel could email me or call me or DM me on social media with a question about their project, and I will answer it in a timely fashion. You know, so and I think that's what's helped grow our channel is you know responding to like every comment since day one, mm -hmm. um, and and helping people and offering help and and just. I mean, kindness and generosity, you know, offering guys, a, there's, there's tons of times in comments that guys will comment and be like, oh man, I wish, you know, wish I could find one of those flathead water pumps for my project. I can't find one anyone locally. What's your address? I have three. I'll send you one mm. for free. Mm. Really? Wow. Yep. I have three of them. I got them for free. Wow. I don't care. So, so I think that goes a long way of like, I'm, I mean, sure. I could have probably sold it and, and, and milked $50 out of that guy, but that guy's going to tell 10 of his friends. Yep. Hey, this guy's a nice guy, but and, and I believe good kindness comes around, and that's why some of these larger deals that I've fallen into, I think, happen because of the kindness I've showed to others. People see that, and then they contact me, and it works out. So it all it all comes around in the end. We had a, a brief conversation about Gary V that we're both Gary V fans, and yeah. he, he he pushes two main things: kindness and patience. And yeah. I, I think I think uh, that eventually those both pay off if you uh, implement them. What's your um, what's your most surprising experience with YouTube? Are you are you amazed at the one million views on the uh, Packard video? Uh, I was a little, I was I knew it would do well because so uh, basically um, uh, Jared and Gary Shanley of Cabin Fever Auction Company were were friendly with them and we were talking about filming some videos for them and they they said you know we're doing this estate we're not selling this Packard but mm. we're cleaning out this factory for a family it looks really neat you want to come check it out and I walked in was like. Oh my God, this is out of a movie. I can't <laughs> yeah. believe it. I was like, we can't, we can't recreate this with the water dripping. And uh, it was just insane. So uh, instantly I was like, we need to film a video. Don't touch anything. We'll come next week. We'll film. And um, we want to tell the story of how it got here. So I think it's part of making it a cinematic experience. When you watch the video, you feel a certain way, but then also um, kind of like telling the story of what it is and mm -hmm. people, and, and I think just the fact that it was in Philly, mm -hmm. people couldn't believe that something was undiscovered like that in Philly. And then it being a Packard, it's a little higher end of a car and uh, different um, news people took hold of it and started sharing it. I think oh, that okay. definitely helped um, for sure. But we knew there was something there that, you know, I've been doing this for my whole life. The second I walked in there, I was like, this is special. This is, Sometimes when I walk into a building, it's like where this car sat and how it sat. It's like, man, this is something, and that was it. Yeah, the thumbnail for the video alone, that'll stop. I mean, I think that's probably how I found you. It's like yeah. the thumb, that thumbnail is like, wow, what is that car doing in the in the pit? Yeah. You know, yep. and it's lit and it's got a tarp over it and yeah. and you got the steel bridge over. I mean, it's just perfect. Yeah, you know? it, was, it was awesome. It really worked out. And then some guys from the neighborhood came around and said, Oh yeah, we we know about that old place or something. Yeah, they were just guys that had lived there their whole life in the city, and they, they you know, they the, there was fence all around the building because it was it was basically falling down, and they said they couldn't believe we were pulling the car out, but mm. they said, we've lived here our whole life and didn't know that there was that car was in there right. or anything was right. around there. And, you know, they were amazed and it kind of added to the video because it was cool to show that we don't stage anything like nothing's, you know, like that. And we even said in the video, like the car was moved there by the family, you know, say 15, 20 years ago. But it's been in that building, you know, the whole time that that, that their father basically, mm -hmm. you know, had that building. Mm -hmm. So um, we don't stage anything. And I think when you find these these instances where it's so special it's like we got to document it right i like your videos where you're uh, cleaning out a car that you've rescued and <laughs> in one of your videos you said um it's not a true barn find unless you find 
animal scat, we'll say the word scat yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. or poop or whatever, um, in a car. What is, what's the most unusual thing you've found in some of these barn finds or garage finds? Um, probably like personal belongings that are that are surprising, you know, like social security cards <laughs> and like stuff like that. You're like, I can't believe somebody just like left that in there. But I mean, that's probably um, just some of the personal belongings uh, that I've found in there. I mean, I've never found like, you know, gold treasure right, or anything. Right. We joke about it all the time, but we, we've never found anything like that. But I think it's that's exciting to me when you buy a car and it's full of parts or stuff. Mm. It's like, what's under there? If that car's been sitting since the 40s, what's all the way at the bottom? But I mean, I definitely finding, searching estates, I found, you know, money yeah. in dresser drawers and abandoned houses and stuff that you're, you know, you're buying, you bought the car and mm. then you're, you're digging through the house and you find really mm -hmm. crazy stuff. But uh, it's always an adventure. Uh, fantastic. I want to take another little break because we got a lot more to talk about. When we get back, we'll ask Matt for his advice on finding barn finds and old parts for vintage cars and take Matt through the hot lap right after these messages on Car Smarts Radio. Wait, before you change the station, please listen. This winter, one in six kids in our area will go to school without a warm coat. Help the Auto Dealers Caring for Kids Foundation change that. A $20 donation to our Driving Away the Cold program will provide a brand new winter coat to a local child living in need. Just $20 to keep a child warm every day this winter. Together, we can give more coats and definitely more smiles. Please give today at morethanautodealers.com. Grundy Insurance policyholders receive a number of additional benefits, including their 150% valuation clause. In the event a customer does not increase the value of their vehicle with market trends, Grundy will cover your loss up to 150% of the insured value. Grundy is one backseat driver you'll be happy to have. Go online to www.grundy.com to learn how you can drive stress-free with Grundy Insurance. Is your garage bright enough? ELED Lights has upgraded all kinds of garages, residential, service, commercial, and many non-garage projects to brilliant, energy-saving, long-life LED lighting. Their factory direct solutions include Hatboro PA manufactured fluorescent to LED retrofits and LED garage canopy lights. Let them assist you with design, rebates, financing, and more. No project is too big or small. Get started today at eledlights.com or call 215-355-7200. Stick shifts and safety belts, bucket seats have all got to go when we're driving. In the car, it makes my baby seem so fine. And welcome back to the show. You're listening to Car Smarts Radio. Hey, it's the start of season three. I want to mention, as always, at the beginning of each season, that we have opportunities for sponsorship here on the show with rates affordable for any size business. Start the new year off right by reaching in our expanding regional audience by getting in touch with me, Steve, at carsmartsradio.com or just go to the website, carsmartsradio.com. Back with Matt Murray of Iron Trap Garage. You can check out his videos and his Instagram. And what else are you on? You're on Facebook. Great Facebook yeah. page and uh, lots of um, conversation, interaction, and just great videos. Really, uh, really. I I'm going to warn you, they're addictive, and um, <laughs> it's a lot of fun to watch you watch you clean out one of those cars. For someone who wants to get into the vintage hobby, there's is there a magazine or is there a particular website or other resources um, other than your own, of course, where where one can go? Well, uh, unfortunately, uh, 
Motor Trend just killed all the mag- car magazines recently. Boo. Mm. So they uh, they killed all the all the big print magazines are actually out of business, you know, currently. They're online, but the, the yeah, you know, yeah. but so definitely and even with the, those magazines, a lot of those they're more geared towards uh, a different style. If you're into the traditional hot rod or the old cars, uh, there's a website that's been around for quite a while and kind of uh, the Jalopy Journal or the Ham. Hmm. Uh, Ryan um, started that website a number of years ago and um, like Ham Radio. Oh. Um, he basically started that website about the traditional hot rod thing and it's a forum and it's one of the few car forums that hasn't died and hmm. is still quite act- hmm. active. So like that's a great forum. If you're into like the 50s, like the, the pre-war to like early 60s stuff, that's the place to go to like search about information. There's great threads on there about like people showing old photos and discussing like the cars. I'd say that's probably the best spot to go in one place to research old cars, join the forum, introduce yourself. I still do some build threads on there and guys have great discussions. There's been cars that have been uncovered and guy will say, Hey, I found this old hot rod. Does anybody know anything about it? And there's been cars where literally the history of the car has been found through the forum. Cause mm-hmm. Hey, I know a guy that lived in that town. And so that's probably the best spot. Um, our YouTube channel is probably one of the other big sources because we're kind of uh, educating you without having to search as hard. You know, you can just go right on one of our videos mm-hmm. and, and you can watch it and see how to, you know, how to heat and drop a spindle for a Model A Ford, you know. Uh, whatever that means. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, what are some tips about about auctions? I know you go to out to Hershey and others and uh, and bid on stuff. Uh, get there early or, you know, what, what are some of the tips that you would give? Uh, educate yourself. Back to that. Just be the, you know, you never know when, uh, a good deal is going to strike you. It could be a yard sale. It could be walking Hershey. Um, it could be anywhere. So um, I found that you don't need, you know, same thing. You don't definitely to swap meet. You need to be early. Um, mm-hmm. If you show up at lunchtime, you all the all of us guys that are there early. We got our deals. We already left. We're on our way home, and, <laughs> right. and you're just picking up scraps. So you got to get there early. Uh, estate auctions are just a matter of either having a lot of money or mm-hmm. having a lot of knowledge, um, and that's really the, the the answer for that. But you know, that's just. Just persistence. That's the biggest thing. Um, so you were talking about magazines and a lot of the like Hot Rod and Car Craft and all those are sort of out of print. Yep. But um, it, there are libraries and other places where you can find old yes copies from the 50s, 60s, 70s. Are those useful for people to, to educate themselves? Yeah, I always I always joke on our videos when people ask in comments. Um, there's probably one guy in your major city or town that's like me that has an archive of old Hot Rod magazines mm-hmm. and Rod and Customs. I have probably hundreds and hundreds wow. of them. So like there's lots of guys like me that collect them. If you, you know, become friendly with them, you can borrow the magazine. Another great resource actually is Amazon. Um, if you go on Amazon and start searching like Hot Rod, mm-hmm. there's some really great books that were written with old photos and stories. Like I just got the uh, the, the Iskadarian mm. uh, book that's basically a story about his life and everything. And you could, there's old photos. So like Amazon, believe it or not, has a lot of books to have really good old photos and stories about traditional hot rods that, and customs that you can read up on and you can literally go on Amazon, buy it for 10 bucks and, you know, jumpstart yourself. Yeah, I want to just a shout out to cartechbooks.com. Yep. They, they have some good, uh, the, the sale is over, the deal, the, the Car Smarts Radio deal is over, <laughs> but I still encourage people to go to cartechbooks.com. They got a lot of a lot of cool stuff there. Um, what is your, uh, your most treasured, I think I know the answer to this, what's your most <laughs> treasured pick or find at a garage sale, barn sale, estate sale? Yeah, I think uh, it was actually just recently this this uh, this fall, um, like you referenced, I went to an estate auction. It was it was poorly advertised, and um, I was one of the few people there that knew what, you know, really, truly knew what the stuff was. Um, 
And I'd argue I was probably the most knowledgeable guy there about the stuff that was there other than the guy that owned it. Mm-hmm. And I was able to walk away with uh, an Arden, a set of original Arden heads for a flathead V8 to convert to overhead valve and a pair of original Atala Mechanica or Scott uh, blowers or, or uh, superchargers for flathead Fords. So that that's, I mean, again, back to the money. doesn't matter how much money in the world you have. Uh, you can't buy some of that stuff. So for me to own it, a mere mortal, it was pretty, pretty crazy. <laughs> and they're not for sale. They are right. not for right. sale. <laughs> um, talk a little bit about Flathead Ford. What, what is it to, to people who don't know? How does it compare to sort of your, your average V8? So uh, uh, Flathead Ford is kind of, it was basically the first uh, V8. I mean, there's technicalities. We won't get into that. But it's basically the first mass-produced Ford, uh, first V8 and at that point, basically, the valves were in the head, mm-hmm. and there was not a true cylinder head. The cylinder head was just a cover, so it's much different than a modern engine. But really what it did is it was the first time that they upped the, uh, the horsepower of a vehicle so dramatically by just going into a normal car. I mm-hmm. mean, Packards and Cadillacs, right. they had big straight eights and things that made a lot. But this was the average guy's car. You could buy a car that, had, that they doubled the horsepower, <laughs> basically, by putting a 32 Ford instantly had a V8. It doubled the horsepower of the four-cylinder. And that's what was one of the, uh, you know, what set off the hot rodding of the whole obsession with V8 engines. All right, two minutes left. We're going to talk. We're going to do the hot lap. Here's a little intro music. And I think David Lee Roth drives a um, maybe a Model A in that hot rod. Yeah, something. Yes, the thirty-two-four. All right, uh, first car. Your first car. My first car was actually like a Ford Bronco two that I really? bought with a couple bucks I had, and I fixed it up a little bit and sold it for a small profit when I was I think fifteen or sixteen. So started. They're, they're hot now, and uh, they got a bad rap for rollovers, but um, Bronco old Broncos are coming up, both, yeah. both the full size and even the Bronco too. What car did you take your driving test in? I took my driving test, I believe, in uh, my grandfather's little Toyota pickup <laughs> truck that my dad um, owned. And, uh, yeah, I think that was what my test was in. First ticket, not including parking tickets in Boyertown. They're, they're not that, yeah, that yeah. strict there. It's pretty cool. But um, what's your first ticket? I think my first ticket was actually just, like, right after I started driving, uh, I, I ran a red light. Well, I was, like, one of those deals where the light turned yellow, and I panicked. And I like stopped in the middle of the intersection instead right. of just going through it awkwardly. And then I like rolled through the light, and there was a cop sitting there. He pulled me over. We, we call that California stop. And you spent yeah. you spent time in California yes. quite a bit, so yeah. you probably picked that up. Uh, your favorite? Oh no, car you most regret selling? Uh, yeah, I don't think I have one to be honest. Uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. I I when I sell a car, I've emotionally broken up with it, and mm-hmm. I pretty much have come to terms that I need to sell it. I have a '52 Chevy right now that I've been hemming and hauling. I just put it up for sale, and now in my brain, I'm ready to let it go. It's time to move on. Favorite TV or movie car? Um, that would probably have to be the Ricky Nelson Roadster. Uh, that is a pretty famous uh, Roadster that, with, that Ricky Nelson on the TV show drove. Uh, was not built just for the show, but that's where it came okay. famous and has its nickname. It actually lives now in Three Dog Garage in my hometown, so I get to regularly visit that car and kind of look at it and and just and just stand in all of it. Oh, very that's cool. It. I'm headed out to Three Dog pretty soon, so that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, money, no object. What? What's your dream car? What's in? What's What's going in that stone walled garage of yours? I think probably my dream car is uh, would have to be a '32 Ford three window that has some sort of neat history. 
Uh, I actually have a lead on one I've been chasing for mm -hmm, years. So mm -hmm. uh, it would have to be something with some history, but 32.3 window has been a car that I've been chasing and have not been able to own one for years. Even if I had the money, they're hard to buy. Mm. Matt, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. You can follow Matt uh, Iron Trap Garage on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, anything else you that, want to that's mention? That's pretty much it. Yeah, uh, check, please check it out. Again, thanks for, for coming on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, Car Smarts Radio will be preempted for the next two weekends uh, for Villanova basketball. That'll give you a chance to get caught up on old shows by going to 610ESPN.com and clicking on the Car Smarts Radio banner and hit the podcast page. You can now pick from 50 past shows on a range of automotive topics with special guests on each, each show. On January 25th, we'll welcome Kevin Mazzacola, Executive Director of the Automobile Dealers Association of Greater Philadelphia. They do the Philly Auto Show. He'll be in studio to talk about the auto show, which takes place February 8th through the 17th this year. I'll be down there quite a bit, so I hope to meet you. He'll be here to tell us what goes into putting on this massive winter indoor car show. It's quite a process. Until then, tune up and tune in to Car Smarts Radio.